Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos, NBA contributor for Track, the Celtics show, and the front office show. And we got introduced to Keith Smith a couple years ago when the initial reporting of where the hell are NBA players going to play NBA games during the height of the pandemic when everything eventually went to Disney. It is Keith Smith. Keith, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. So, Keith, uh, I wake up now the last couple days, and it's this um, NBA writer saying Fred Van Vliet's going there, or O.J. Ananobi might be going there, and Carrie Trent, and keep an eye on this and that. Um, if you were going to rank the teams you're hearing the most about involving uh, as sellers, where do the Raptors rank in terms of the amount of attention that you've seen they've, they've been getting? They would be pretty high on the list. I think the challenge is no one's quite sure if they're actually selling or not. It's a lot of speculation right now. I think we're all uh, in, under some level of belief that Masai Ujiri is not going to be content to just have a team that's kind of sitting in the middle. It's either going to be we're contending for something or we are building towards the next iteration of a good uh, Raptors team. And, and if they want to go that direction, they've got an awful lot of players that they can start a kind of a teardown process if that's the way they want to go. But what I've heard is they don't have any intention of really bottoming this thing out and blowing up the entire roster and hitting reset that bar. It's more of a soft reset, a quick, you know, turnaround type of thing. And then that becomes a little bit more complicated to pull off, especially when we're in season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because if at the end of the trade deadline, the one name that is moved and the only name is moved is Gary Trent Jr., then that signals to me that Masai Ujiri believes this core is far closer than what their record is this year. Because trading Gary Trent Jr. is just, to me, it's, it's not even a good appetizer. You know, it's not like we're getting scallops for appetizer. We're getting a leafy <laughs> green salad with a really light vinaigrette. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's um, yeah, that's not one that I think is going to get anybody you know up out of their seats uh, about. Now he may go in one of those moves, similar like the move that got him, which was moving on from a guy. Uh, who wasn't necessarily going to be under team control to get a guy who could be under team control could certainly see that. He's probably the easiest player to move of that group too, just when you factor in contract and all the types of things, because they have, which they should, uh, set a very high asking price for guys like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi because those guys are really, really good players. And then I don't think Scotty Barnes is going anywhere. That would have to be, you know, a blockbuster type move where he's added into the mix. So I think you're looking at that. I'm kind of curious. I think that one ultimately comes down to, do you believe like you're going to resign him this summer or not? Because if you don't think you are, then it probably does make sense to at least explore the trade market before risking losing him for nothing. You do a lot of work uh, covering the Boston Celtics. Uh, Boston has beaten Toronto twice this year, including on Saturday without Tatum, and Marcus Smart missed most of the game. And, yes, there was no Fred Van Vliet for the Raptors. So you've got to see Toronto a lot in the last little while. When you, when you look at this team, what do you see in terms of prospects this year and next year if there is no major change made? Yeah, it's a weird team. They're very uh, confusing to me when I look at them play because I see a whole bunch of guys I really like. You know, we're really even in their 
you know, top eight, nine, ten players. There's a lot of guys. So I'm like, boy, you know, I, I kind of like him. I kind of like him. My worry with the Raptors is they're very inconsistent with their shooting. Um, that that is a major challenge in, in the NBA. We know right now, if you can't shoot the ball, you're probably uh, pretty limited in how good of a team you can be. And then I just see far too much uh, duplication on their roster. I know they had their whole uh, situation of, well, let's get a whole bunch of similarly sized guys that can all switch and do a lot of things. And that, that sounds good until all of a sudden it's, boy, we have kind of one real ball handler on this team in Fred Van Vliet. And uh, we've got a whole mess of bigs that we can't find enough minutes to play all of them and those kind of things. That That's where it gets, gets a little messy. So I think whether it's now at the deadline, it's, again, you're kind of limited in how much you can fully reset a roster when we're in season uh, or whether it comes down to, uh, you know, this summer. I think it may start here in the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline. But I think by the time rosters are mostly finished being built in July, I think you're going to see a team that looks pretty different because I think they are going to do some stuff to rebalance that roster out a little bit. It's funny in that answer, Keith, because a lot of the words you use, I've been using all year, just confusing. I mean, they've been inconsistent. <laughs> and any team that's inconsistent, that means you're not that good. Because being consistent yeah. means you are a good team. Being consistently consistent means you're an elite team. The Raptors have just been a confusing team uh, pretty much from the start of the year. Moving off of the, uh, moving off of the Raptors, real quick, because uh, I, I was uh, checking out your Twitter account. People can follow Keith at KeithSmithNBA, a wildly easy Twitter account to remember. Um, you've been getting into a lot of conversations with Orlando Magic fans. How the, <laughs> how the hell has the best team in the East gone 1-3 and three against Orlando this year? I don't know. Every year the best teams have some teams that they just can't figure it out again. again it's always a, a weird you know, kind of thing that is just almost every year uh, that quirk exists with, with certain teams. And for Boston, it's been Orlando. Now, I will say they've had moments when they've played Orlando where they've had some key guys out of the lineup, so that's certainly been part of it. But uh, other parts of it is I think the Magic size and I think uh, their effort level. They, they get really up to play the Celtics for whatever reason. I think those have been things the Celtics have had a hard time with uh, matching the size for sure and then matching that effort level. So that's been, that's been the tricky part. Now I'm someone who covers the Celtics but I actually live in, in Orlando so it's a, kind of an interesting uh, oh. you know, situation I find <laughs> myself in but you know I, I, I uh, yeah, I, I have not done uh, you know a lot to please the locals this morning. No, you really haven't. It's it's actually quite fun. Uh, just because to me, I I always love uh, Twitter sports rage because it reminds me that's eh, not real. It's not real rage because it ain't real news, but it still is. <laughs> it still is kind of funny. If we spin the wheel of uh, NBA topics, um, uh, Milwaukee beating Detroit one fifty one thirty is not a topic. Um, anyone who bet the under, you know, um, I feel for you. But it was the fact that Middleton and Giannis and Drew Holiday were on the uh, were in the lineup for the same time in more than a month and seeing that makes me realize um, you know maybe time to put a little more focus on a Bucks team that is a half game back of uh, Philly for second in the east yeah, I think Milwaukee is full on in the point of this kind of arc of their team where it is. But a few years ago, when they kind of rose to the top of the East before they won the championship, they were were going all out. We're going to win every single regular season game. We're going to do all this stuff. 
and then ran into playoff failures a few years in a row. Then it became, all right, we're, we're going to back off a little bit. We want to make sure we've got plenty left in the tank by the time we get to the playoffs, and they won. And now we're seeing them really uh, hit the point of, all right, this is now a veteran team. It's a, guy, a lot of guys on this roster who've played a lot of games over the years. They've also got a little bit of an international flavor to some of the rosters because where some of the guys have played, uh, you know, international ball for their countries. Uh, a couple of guys have also had Team USA experience. So there's been yep. a lot of basketball played by those veteran guys. So I think we're seeing with the box, it's just, hey, we're going to do what we got to do. We'll win enough in the regular season and be a top four team in the East. And that's where we'll land. But we're not worried about chasing, you know, win, real you know, random wins on a Tuesday night, you know, in January is not our real thing anymore. It's more about let's make sure our guys are healthy and ready to go. And when they are, you can see they're still a pretty good team. Absolutely. And there's one thing we can all agree on is we're all rooting for Grayson Allen. That fella is uh, <laughs> brings us all together. Uh, last question for you. Uh, just going back to the trade deadline for a second. How much has the Rudy Gobert trade chilled the rest of the trade market if teams are pointing to what uh, to what Utah got for Rudy Gobert? It's kind of funny. I think when we're a week, two weeks or more out from the deadline, there's a lot of that where it's, you know, oh, we couldn't possibly trade this guy for less than what Gobert got in trade, or we need the Donovan Mitchell package, or, you know, insert star here from the last four or five years. And then I think as we get closer into the trade deadline, the teams that are trying to get those guys, they, they come up a little bit in what they're willing to give up. The teams with the players come down a little bit in their asking price. And that's when we see deals get done. It's, it's, it took a while this year for things to really get going with the Hachimura trade uh, here yesterday, but it's not uncommon that we haven't seen a whole bunch of deals yet. Generally, we see, you know, it's when we get to be uh, about 10 days out from the deadline, maybe even still a full week out, that's when we start to see some of the moves happen because that's when teams get a little bit more serious about it. The other piece that's really this year is there's only kind of three or four bad teams in the league that are truly, you know, wow, they are you know, bottomed out. They're going to sell. They are, you know, really god-awful teams. And everybody else is kind of floating in the middle. And you have, on top of that, you get about eight or ten teams that are looking at it and saying, hey, why not us? You know, well, we can make a run at this thing. So that makes it very difficult to get the market moving. That's why I do think if somebody becomes an early mover here uh, within the next couple of days, they may get a return that beats some of the other returns we see down the line because they may be able to get, get a kind of that, hey, we moved first, so we tried to set the market a little bit price. Sometimes that does happen. Keith, really appreciate it. People want to find your work. Where do they go? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Keith Smith MBA. Everything I write and all that is there. Uh, if you're interested in contract-type stuff, spot track. Oh, yeah. Uh, who I write for uh, Celtics, uh, specific coverage over at Celtics blog, and then the front office show, uh, which I record with Trevor Lane. You can find that uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. We, we record uh, you know, at least uh, three to five times a week uh, on all things, uh, news, notes, rumors. Uh, yesterday's show was a lot about breaking down the Hachimura trade, but if you like that contract kind of stuff, that's what we do there. Keith, really appreciate all the best, and uh, we'll chat with you soon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, 100%. Keith Smith, NBA contributor for Spotrack, Celtics show, front office show, and just a really good NBA reporter.